welcome to Not Everything Sucks with Andrew. Uh, my name's Andrew Hubbard and I'm here with Joel Reyes. Um, we're so glad that you're hanging out with us here on Facebook Live and the podcast on the podcast app. Uh, Joel, we're especially glad that we have you here hanging out with us. Um, we're making some uh, tostadas with avocado, which we'll talk about here in a second. Cool. Um, but first, Joel, tell us about yourself. All right, Andrew. Uh, my name is Joel Reyes. Uh, I'm a seabird specialist with the Texas National Guard. Seabird uh, specialist, basically I handle stuff with chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear threats. Um, long story short, I'm a hazmat guy with the Texas National Guard. Um, I'm all, oh, also currently a student at UTSA pursuing my degree in criminal justice. Uh, Andrew's a longtime friend of mine. Um, met each other in student government and uh, kind of just went from there. Joel, we're going to be making some avocado tostadas, uh, kind of healthy avocado tostadas. So we've got um, some tostada shells right. right here. Um, we have mashed black beans, um, which I cooked right before our time together. Um, egg whites, um, scrambled. Cheese, some lettuce, and an avocado. Oh, cool. All right. Have you ever cut an avocado before? No, I haven't. Okay, do you want to give it a shot? Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a learn today. Do you promise not to cut yourself? Absolutely not. Okay, great. Then this will go real well. <laughs> so go ahead and cut it in half all the way through. Um, be, be extra careful with your thumbs because we've definitely had people bleed before on Not Everything Sucks. Oh, nice. Um, we don't have paramedics, uh, but we do have um, love, I'm, happiness. I'm, I'm fine healing with love. I think I'll be okay with that. So once you go all the way around the avocado with your knife, you open that bad boy up. Um, some people have tried to take the avocado seed out with a knife. This is how most of the accidents occur. So what I'm going to do is take it out with a spoon. All right, sounds good. Uh, because I definitely don't want you to get hurt in any significant way. Um, you're a veteran, mm -hmm. which is part of the reason why you're here. I would hate for you... Uh, to get hurt here, of all places, not a good look. Oh, believe me, I have made some dumb choices here. I've definitely <laughs> gotten hurt before. <laughs> um, Joel, tell us about what you did and where you did what you did uh, while you were um, active duty. You're still active duty when you were deployed. Okay. Um, so recently, I was in, uh, in support of Operation Inherent Resolve. Uh, it's the operation that was put in place about a year ago okay. uh, to support the uh, mission ongoing in Syria and Iraq. Uh, basically, the mission to uh, get rid of ISIS in both of those places. Okay. And so what I did there was, gosh, a uh, majority of... Uh, you can A lot of s sitting, a lot of waiting, but definitely not no two days were ever the same for me over there. So what do you do in your role of Seaburn Specialist? So basically what I do is um, I train the soldiers in my unit and I uh, basically make sure that they're aware of what chemical, biological, or nuclear threats are in the area. Uh, hopefully none. Hopefully I never have to really do my job. <laughs> but uh, aside from that, it's uh, reconning areas that have been contaminated with chemical threats, decontaminating certain things. Um, so like I said, no two days were ever really the same. A lot of times you don't get to do that, mm -hmm. which that's what you hope for at the end of the day. Any close calls? Um, I mean, over there, it's going to be more inherently different. But, you know, there was a couple. What, um, 
what is different about what you do uh and and how did you become like I, did you grow up one day and decide <laughs> hey i want to work with uh really dangerous stuff <laughs> so that's what you do <laughs> um when i was younger uh i had a sixth grade teacher and mm-hmm. his name was mr blair and okay. he was in the u.s army before he became a teacher and he was the one that really inspired me to go that route um, I had known people before in my life that were in the military, the Marine Corps, Air Force, stuff like that. Okay. But he was the one that kind of really cemented my role in wanting to serve my country in that capacity. And as far as Seaburn goes, I went to the recruiter's office and said, hey, what kind of crazy jobs you got? And he said, hey, this one looks pretty interesting. <laughs> and my dumb little 16-year-old butt went ahead and signed that piece of paper. So tell me some things that civilians don't readily know about what it is and what it means to be deployed, especially in a very dangerous place like Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan? Well, I think the biggest thing that that people don't realize while you're over there is the lens of the news that you see and kind of how you perceive what's going on at home. So like everything, when you're over there, everything kind of stops. Okay. For you. Everything here stops for you while you're there. Yeah, absolutely. Everything, everything here. You, you basically take a pause on your civilian life while you're gone. Okay. And um, I don't know what you want to do with that. <laughs> I just just leave it cut. All right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically everything's on pause while you're over there. And but while you're over there, people back home just go about their regular lives. You know, wives and children leave. You know, stuff like that. Unfortunately, I had a couple of my fellow soldiers where their wives left them while we were over there, and instances like that. And that's obviously the most like. Uh, that's the most terrible case. Mm-hmm. Other cases, it's like, dang, the Cubs made it to the series. Like, what the heck? <laughs> Do you feel like the country is recognizable when you get back? Honestly, I don't. When this time around, it wasn't. Why? So, when we went over there, obviously, it was the country was in kind of a turbulent state mm-hmm. with the new president. Everyone trying to get on board with everything that was happening. But when you're over there. We didn't realize how, I don't want to say bad, but how different things became while we were gone. While we were over there, it seems like everything became about us versus them, whether it be the Democrats versus Republicans, Tea Party versus whoever the heck the left wing is of them, <laughs> um, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, we saw Nazi flags, communist flags flying while we were overseas here on American soil, and it was just some of the most ridiculous stuff that you could think of. But when we came home, it was, it stayed that way. It stayed to the point where you can barely talk about politics without getting into an argument, or you end up with an echo chamber with everyone that agrees with you. And it's just one of those things that, it's always existed, but I don't think it's become more prevalent than it has today. If you can bring the tostada shells over, we're going to start assembling these guys. Very excited about this. So if you're following along with us making delicious avocado, uh, we're going to start putting some mashed black beans onto the shells. Okay. uh, And then we're going to put the lettuce on the shells. Okay. uh, And we'll just kind of go from there. Um, Joel, can you talk a little bit about uh, why you decided to join? What were your motivations? So personally, my motivations... um I guess from kind of an idealistic standpoint, mm-hmm. I wanted to serve my country. But as the days went on and 
you actually start to kind of realize like the importance or kind of the day-to-day what needs to actually get you through the grind Mm -hmm. it became more about how is this going to benefit me how is this going to grow myself as a person okay and i think a lot of veterans kind of share that like you kind of have idealistic goals at the beginning and then all of a sudden you're in this whole new world where not all that you don't get to you don't get to be gi joe every day sure you don't you don't get to save the world but i mean you kind of have to find a way to make yourself you know make it worthwhile for you the whole time you're in do you think most people join the military to only um, defend the country, or is it more for kind of alternative motives? Or um, what, what's, what, what are people's motivation for joining the military? I think that it's as varied as anyone on the street. And that's, I think that's the point. Okay. I think the point is that it's going to be those varied, um, those varied responses that you get. The, hey, why am I doing this today? Why am I serving my nation? Well, the truth of the matter is... it. I don't think it really matters a whole lot with the why you're there mm. is the why why you're there if that makes any sense because when you're overseas it very much wasn't oh hey i'm you know serving my country i'm doing the old glory proud it was more of hey i want to make sure that my friends make it home okay and in one piece and you know whole if that makes sense what do most civilians what are most civilians surprised to learn about about your experience overseas? Um, I think most civilians are surprised to learn that we were over there, that we were in Mosul, that we were in Syria, that there were contingent military operations in both of those countries. Um, but, I mean, to be honest with you, I kind of guess that's expected because of the way that the news coverage was, of the way that different people spoke about it while we were over there. And another thing that, I th- that civilians are more surprised about is what we're doing there in the first place. I think that most of them think we're just over there, you know, either causing pain to certain people mm. instead of doing a mission of teaching and a, te- and a mission of learning and a mission of rebuilding a country that was wrought with so much chaos. Why do you think people... Why do you think people assume that you agree with or the actions of a commander-in-chief are something that gets translated to you as an individual soldier? Why, why, why is there a disconnect of you serve the country and the commander-in-chief? I don't, I maybe not like the commander-in-chief, maybe I don't like you. How do you grapple with that? Well, I think that it makes sense for that little disconnect there to be, to be there because mm-hmm. As far as the civilian understands it, we're all federal employees. We're all work under the man. Under the man. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we follow his every, you know, ache and whim. When in all reality, every soldier, every airman, every sailor, every Marine, every service member uh, swears the same oath of allegiance to the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, he's a commander in chief and he is my boss. And But at the end of the day, I think that with as much as the civilian population varies, so does the veteran population. And... Not all of his decisions reflect on what we believe. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, if anything was done morally wrong, if we were ordered to do a morally wrong thing, it's within our rights and within our responsibility to go against that. What were you really surprised about, maybe not politically, but socially in day-to-day life, that changed when you came back stateside? So, you know, as you know, I went back to college and I came home. Uh, UT San Antonio. Yeah. And um, 
I noticed that I couldn't have as many in-depth conversations with people in my classes as I used to. I noticed that everyone was much more worried about what the narrative was for their side. Hmm. And that's the thing is there was sides now. There is sides now. Whether it be, you know, you're on the left or you're on the right. If the person doesn't completely agree with you, then they're obviously wrong. And I think day to day, that's what really changed for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what I saw. I saw the university aspect of it. I saw, sure. you know, we, these are the conversations that we had. As far as personal stuff, <laughs> I was probably a little more curt with people around me. Just because you kind of forget, you don't have that structure when you get home. Sure. They, people move a little bit more slowly than you want them to. People think, oh, that, that veteran's angry. It's just like, no, I just want you to move a little faster. <laughs> just a little bit. But, yeah, aside from that, like, those were the main, main differences that I saw when I came home. The military provides a very structured, um, administered life. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And the world here in America is very individualistic. Mm. Everyone is free within boundaries, right, to do what they wish. Um, and there's not as much administration over people's lives. Right. How do you deal with the complete shift in lifestyle? And how do other veterans deal with that as well? Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of administration over you while you're in. And mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of, you're going to do this at this time, this is when you pee, this is when you go to the bathroom, this is you know when you take a shower, this is when you do all this, that, and the other thing. Sure. But there's a lot of times when they give you an objective and they don't really say, hey, do it this way, that way, and here, or here are all the resources that you need to complete this objective. And you have to get creative. And I will say that on the deployment, there were a lot of times we're presented with a challenge. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I keep thinking about how you say you're told <laughs> when to pee, and I just couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> Try to keep a straight face here, man. You're, you're not helping. <laughs> um, Continue. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, like, you're given a lot of leeway in how to accomplish the mission. Sure. And I think that helps out a lot. But I do think that some people are kind of stuck in that rut. Mm -hmm. Uh, I found it a little bit easier. That's because I did college before I got in the military as well. Or before this most recent deployment as well. So more acclimated to both. Right, absolutely. I'm a little more spaced out than some vets are. You have those people that have been in for 20 years. Sure. And they're getting out in the civilian workforce and they just, they don't know how to work with it. Yeah. And you can't hardly blame them, but you kind of have to adapt at the same time. So, so we just uh, smothered <laughs> black beans all over our tostadas. Right. Um, and what we're going to do next is put a little bit of egg white on the tostada um, to give it some flavor, some protein. Um, and, uh, and then we'll put some greens uh, then avocado and then some cheese. All right, sounds good. So while we're doing that, um, Joel, tell me something that people, civilians, are surprised to know about veterans. Mm. Not necessarily active duty, active military deployed, but veterans. Right. That's. I think that's an important distinction too, because um, when you when you're talking about a veteran, you're talking about somebody that was in that's that has a potential to be a little jaded. But mm-hmm. also, they've experienced what they've wanted to out of the military. And as far as what people, I guess, could be surprised about learning or that don't know, is that most veterans, if not all of them, they're, <laughs> they're not scary. They're not angry. Like I said before, they just wanted you to move a little faster. <laughs> but Slow walkers aren't their thing. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> but aside from that, they just, they're willing to learn and they're wanting to learn as much as they can because kind of 
like I'm gonna use the collegiate setting as a sure. standpoint because that's where you see a lot of that. The interaction between veterans and non-veterans. Um, they the veterans are just there to learn. They want to learn. They want to find out what they missed while they were in the service. How do you react when people are disrespectful to veterans? So, I mean, I think that varies to obviously different intensities. If someone's spitting on someone, then yeah, they're probably going to get punched or something along those lines. Sure. I think but, that applies to everyone. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, as far as, you know, just verbal abuse or saying, hey, you know, you did this, this, or this, and, yeah. you know, I, I don't like that, mm -hmm. you kind of just shrug it off. Okay. Because I think at the end of the day, as a veteran, you're representing a whole lot more than yourself. And you know that as soon as you get in. You have on your shoulders everyone from Valley Forge to the Kandahar you know, River province. Mm. And that, that, that carries some weight with it. And with that, you know, you kind of have to say, you pick your battles, but also you say, you know, you don't like that. I understand you don't like that. You're just expressing that you don't. That's one of your freedoms, too. How do you appreciate appreciation from civilians? So when it's done genuinely, when it's done from a good place, I believe, you know, everyone, everyone wants to be thanked sure. for something that they've done, especially something difficult. But when it comes from kind of that knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, there's somebody in uniform, I need to say... Thank you for your service. Uh -huh. A lot of times it's embarrassing. Interesting. Yeah. It's it's not the reaction I would have okay. expected. <laughs> you you like it, but at the same time it kinda of puts you in a it puts you in an odd place. Because sure. you're like, Oh, well, you're welcome, thank you for your support or you know, there's there's the other canned responses that you can give, but nothing as wholehearted and like meaningful as thank you for your service. Sure. Because I think what a lot of well at least this is what I do, I think some other veterans do it as well, they get a little introspective. And mm. someone says, thank you for your service, your mind goes back to the time we were at the barracks and you bet someone $20 to jump off the second floor. <laughs> or something along... <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it was a struggle, and a lot of times they did things they didn't want to do, but they were some of the best times in my life as well. Would you rather not be reminded? Of... Uh, of the experiences? No. I think that the entirety of everything I've done in the military good and all the bad that I've had to do like the endless picking up of cigarette butts that I don't smoke you know? <laughs> um, I think all of that is part of the experience because I think at the end of the day what I love about the military is that it's an equalizer that this this specialist like me we're the same because we're both suffering about the same amount because this guy with more stripes on his shoulders is yelling at us to do stuff sure we're softly scolding at it. But, uh, but, whatever it's called these days. Yeah, whatever it's called. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just you, they tell us what to do, and it doesn't matter what background you come from. Like, that person's going to help you do it, or they're going to suffer the same as you are. <clears throat> do you believe in war? Hmm. I do. I believe that war is vital in cases. I believe that it's necessary to put the bad people in their place to mm -hmm. um, secure assets in a certain manner. And yeah, it's kind of idealistic and also a little too nihilistic, I guess, okay. if you put it in perspective. But I do believe that war is necessary, and especially in the founding of our nation and 
all that. Uh, the, the America has been involved in conflict since its inception, and I think that's for a reason. What is your response to someone who, while being very grateful for the things that you and your, your fellow service men and women have done, um, don't believe in war? What, what do you say to that person? I wish I could either. I wish that. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that I wish that, yeah, it, it didn't. I wish that all conflict had a diplomatic resolution. Hmm. And but unfortunately, there are just some things that you need to put your fist down. There are some things that you need to eventually fight for. There are some things that you need to commit lives to. And while I'd love for there to be a perfect UN where we all come together and talk things out, sometimes there's just that little dictator that needs to get kicked out of his seat and put someone else in his place. Do you um, do you think that the benefits that are offered to veterans? Uh, are a large motivating factor to joining the military. Oh, absolutely. Okay. You go to any recruiter's office and you're going to find posters. Pfft, college. Pfft. You get a new Camaro when you enlist. Pfft, all sorts of bonuses. It's crazy. But um, Do you have a Camaro? Oh, God, no. <laughs> it's got like 46% interest if you buy it. Um, no, but yeah, absolutely. They're, they're a huge factor. Because, I mean, if you look at the demographics of the military mm -hmm. population, you see a majority of them are middle to lower class American citizens. Mm. Now, they're for the cross-sections of every race, every religion, but most of them are pretty poor or most of them, you know, they're okay, but they could use that little jump in their life. Sure. And I mean, that's the thing is if I hadn't joined the military, I wouldn't be where I am today. I don't think I'd be able to afford college on my own. I don't think I'd be able to do any of the stuff that I have without it. How do you think your life is better, not necessarily with material things like benefits, mm -hmm. but uh, more intangibles like ways that you approach life or, or decisions you made? How has your life improved because you were in the military? I always find a reason to laugh. And I think that that definitely comes from the military. Mm. Um, there, uh, one of my old NCOs said this thing called gallows humor. And there's this saying like, towards the end, like a very precarious situation, like you're a mortal situation where you could potentially die. Mm -hmm. You joke, you know, you make laugh, you, everyone laughs, everyone mm -hmm. finds something stupid funny. And while that's a bit morbid, day-to-day -day life is kind of feels like that with the military. Sure. It's a little soul-crushing some days, it's a little benign other days. But at the end of the day, everyone finds their own form of humor in it. And I mm -hmm. think bringing that with me from the military was one of the best things I could have ever had because there's nothing in the civilian world that's going to get me quite as down because I can always just laugh it off. So um, while we were having our discussion, we were, uh, well, I was letting you talk. I was, I was doing most of the Yeah, I was letting you cook that. <laughs> so we have um, some wonderful, healthy tostadas, uh, they're egg whites, uh, we have of course the avocado, and we dressed it with some basil leaves, peppers, salt. Um, these will go great uh, broiled in the oven, um, they can be served like we're doing it now, kind of like a fresh almost salad kind of feel, um, but, uh, but we're going to enjoy these in a second. Um, we're called Not Everything Sucks, <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> Almost, the almost name. not everything sucks. <laughs> almost not everything sucks. Um, Joel, what doesn't suck? In general or? 
Um, what doesn't suck about being a veteran? <laughs> Uh, honestly, I think the friends that I've made in the service, mm. um, there is not a single one of them that I couldn't count on to help me with anything. I can ask somebody in Dallas to help me move tomorrow, and they'd probably drive all night. I mean, obviously, the promise of beer and pizza would help out a little bit with that. <laughs> but, no, I think that the friendships that you make, the um, the experience that you get, the uh, uh, you get to go to different countries. They're not the best countries, but... <laughs> You get to go to them, you get to experience different cultures, you get to open up your eyes to sure. different things around the world. And I think that that's probably the best thing about being a, being a veteran. Is there any one thing you'd want civilians to know that they might not know yet? We still got people over there. Uh, we got people in Iraq, we got people in Syria. Uh, I think I'd want them to know that, that they're there, that they're fighting the good fight, and that they're there for a reason, whether or not they agree with that. They're there for their own reasons, and they're there to try and do as much good as they can. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, probably just talk to us, ask us questions. Veterans are really like, we'll get down in the nitty gritty with you and talk, ask, answer most of the questions you have for us. Mm. Yesterday was the 4th of July, um, so happy Independence Day, happy Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, divisiveness and you alluded to this earlier Uh, there's a lot of divisiveness in our country Um, part of the reason we have these discussions with people such as yourself is to not necessarily convince anyone of my ways better or this is this is the way to live life but and not even understand or come into common ground Mm -hmm. just to listen only to listen to each other there's a lot of stuff going on in our country that has been going on that continues to go on that i think a lot of people don't subscribe to they're not okay with um but the fact that we have a country that we're able to disagree inside of um just is a testament to what the military did in the revolutionary war uh, continue to do in the Civil War, continue to do by giving up their lives in lots of instances to uh, to provide this space for us. So as a civilian, um, I would encourage other civilians uh, to vote. Absolutely. <laughs> you got to vote. To also not be afraid to share your ideas, um, but maybe a dash of respect Maybe a dash of understanding here and there. Some basil leaves. Yeah, some humor never hurt anyone either. Some humor never hurt anyone. Um, as we celebrate our independence, um, maybe we remember to be respectful to each other uh, and to be engaged not just in a monologue of dialogue, right. <laughs> but also to vote um, and to participate in what our country has to offer. Joel, any final thoughts? Um, I like what you said. I think that it's every person's responsibility, military or otherwise, to just get out there and be a, be civically engaged. As canned as that response sounds, <laughs> um, I think that everybody has immense power to affect the people around them and the country as a whole. So I think that's what you should do. Joel, I appreciate your time, your avocado cutting skills. <laughs> 
um, it's great to hang out with a great friend um, and to uh, make some silly jokes and talk about some serious stuff uh, here. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Guys, not everything sucks, and we are really glad we got to tell you at least one or two reasons why. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.